0: launch scale and ultimately exit successful group practices in short we create clarity confidence and results well welcome to episode 23 of the group practice accelerator podcast defining and developing strategy that's right as we end 2021 and turn into 2022 many of you are going through strategic planning sessions and the aspect of strategy is something we get asked about all the time so i'm going to try to provide a little bit of clarity on defining and developing that strategy it'll surely be a lot of fun and the topics will be wide-ranging today i encourage you to grab a pad and pen get ready to take some notes and brew a great cup of coffee out of your mila coffee maker we're on the air today brew practice accelerator podcast is ready to roll Once again, thanks to everybody for being in the audience, being a subscriber and being a listener. And thanks for joining me today on the show. As I mentioned, this is going to be another session of the podcast around defining and developing strategy. We get asked about strategy every day uh, by multiple people, and they all have a different sort of uh, perspective or train of thought in the way that they're coming at the questions and the subject matter they're asking. Some of it, however, is really fundamental to uh, building a successful business. And I'm gonna try to share some insight into that today. I'm gonna share a good bit of it from the lens of the way DeWalker and I think about strategy for Polaris. Try to make this relatable to the process and the systems and the growth uh, that we are intending to build here at Polaris. And then we'll relate it back to what many of you are trying to do uh, in terms of building and executing on the value proposition of a group practice. And I think you'll see that the journey that we're on here at Polaris is, you know, candidly not too dissimilar from from what y'all are doing. Um, Yeah, we're a consulting an MA advisory firm. That's different than the practice of clinical dentistry for sure. But some of the trials and tribulations and challenges and some of the proactive processes are are the same regardless of what the subject matter actually is. And I think we can glean a lot from that. So we're gonna we're gonna go through and I'll I'll peel back the uh um the curtain a little bit, if you will, on um on what we do here at Polaris, and I think you'll find it hopefully uh, hopefully relatable. So, first and foremost, um, you know, when it comes to strategy, uh, we talk about uh, isolating it or building the the foundation around a target market, a service offering, and the ability to execute on that at its most fundamental um, state. That being said when you talk about target market, or ideal customer avatar, or or ideal patient avatar, if you will, and and, uh, for for many of you out there being clinicians, um, it's important to dig deeper than the obvious. So let's relate this a little bit um, to the world that we're in. And I'm going to try to draw parallels to make this clear for you. So many of you out there got your start as um, a a solo dentist usually in a solo location you might have built that from scratch or you might have bought it from somebody who transitioned out and it's your business and and you made a success out of that Um, you probably know of a good number of dental practice management consultants um there are a lot of them out there that work with solo locations to Improve things like scheduling efficiencies and hygiene retention and case acceptance and all those types of things. A lot of dental practice management consultants that do that. Well, when DeWalker and I were talking about building a consulting business, we felt like that segment of the market was um, uh, hyper-competitive for one, um, and really there there it would be tough to create any upside with it. And honestly. A lot of those things that I just rattled off didn't meet our skill set. Yeah, we know a little bit about all of that, but that's not really our forte. That's not what our background is. That's not where we can make a difference. So when we start talking about consulting and somebody asks, well, Perrin, what, what do you do in your consulting program? You know, the first thing I tell them is what we are not and we're not dental practice management consultants. If you need somebody to, to help you build a more successful schedule and the way you schedule patients and all that, we're probably not the guys for that. If you need somebody to, to help you with case acceptance, uh, I'm definitely not the guy to ask about that. But what we do in our consulting program is work with the founder, owner, operators of these businesses in the C-suite in terms of growth strategy and expansion. And that's a different type of consulting than dental practice management consulting. So right there, our target market is different, all right? So consulting is not just a broad umbrella and it's a one-size-fits-all approach. There are different consultants that do different things in different segments of the market. So now we're already starting to, to slice up the overall market and identify a target market that's different from what would be the accepted norm. Secondarily to that, the service offering. Well, for us in strategic consulting, our target market is uh, entrepreneurial dentists who want to build and potentially exit a successful group practice. So not a solo practice, but a group practice, another differentiated value proposition for us. We really don't work with solo locations unless they are intending to become multiple locations and build some level of a group in the future. But your bread and butter, 50% of the market solo dentist is not our target market. The same can be said in group practice for those that are private equity-backed groups. So your Heartland Dentals of the World, your Dental Care Alliance, just to name several, that are multi-state, multi-hundred location, that's not our target market either. Um, Our target market is entrepreneurial dentists who are building group practices and they're using bank funds to grow. So right here, the first part of strategy is identifying your target market with some degree of specificity. I just said that we don't work with solo locations and we don't work with private equity-backed groups. In between those two, that's probably about 75 to 80% of the market, honestly. So strike off that segment of the pie. It's only doctor-founded and debt-funded groups. That's a very specific offering. But in terms of our service offering, we don't do operational consulting like dental practice management consultants do. We do growth strategy. So now we're starting to segment our service offering by our our target market segment. If you've ever heard the phrase blue ocean strategy, that comes from a couple of uh business books they they read like textbooks honestly. And I'll probably do a book report on them at some point in the future, but blue ocean strategy and and uh, the second follow up to it called blue ocean uh blue ocean shift um our books about creating new markets with new service offerings where there is less competition so trying to develop markets where you can create more competitive advantage and a defensible strategy and that's what we've tried to do at Polaris by only by, by deciding to only focus on a subset of the market that's doctor founded and debt funded and in that space only offering growth strategy services that help people build a bigger better uh, more profitable and more valuable type of a business so it's growth strategy services not operational uh services like i mentioned before and then obviously the the ability to execute on that so um, which is you know, part and parcel of the way we do that is through financial modeling, uh, a lot of data and analytics, and, and the things you've heard me talk about on the show before. But I, I hope kind of walking and talking through what we do makes it a little bit more relatable because the the important thing for y'all in the audience is that if you are going to build a group, You really want there to be some level of quantifiable value proposition to your prospective uh, patient base that would differentiate you from your competition. We know and we've talked about some of the ADA's reportings and findings over the last probably two years, going back pre-COVID, honestly. It talks about the commoditization of dental services and how, especially the younger Ah, uh, population millennial type segment uh, views uh, dentistry as more of a commodity in terms of a healthcare service, and that that creates a problem if you're trying to build um, ultimately a more valuable, more profitable, more higher growth uh, type of a business if it's viewed as a commodity. Commoditization is not a great thing unless you are definitively the low cost leader. And it's really hard to defend that segment uh, in terms of the, 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 the space, if you will, from a cost and a price point. So I, I want you to think through, as you, if you think about strategic planning and what you're doing in 2022 and beyond, and, and you really talk about strategy, it does start with target markets and service offering and, and execution. Um, and hopefully, I, I've drawn a little bit of a parallel for, for Polaris to use as a walking, talking example. Obviously, when we start talking about strategy for our clients, it's it's primarily growth strategy. Um, ultimately, we want people to run more valuable businesses, which means EBITDA margin expansion, and a lot of those things that DeWalker and I have talked about in the past. But when it comes down to executing um on strategy that is that is all about growth and profitability so the way we do that here at polaris is through financial modeling um, not exclusively but uh, the financial model that we build on businesses gives us insight into the operational and financial health of the business and then the pro forma or um uh, five-year plan that we lay out with our clients uh, ensures that their vision for the business, that we're helping them build it, that the growth strategy meets what their vision and their outcome is. It would be really bad if a client said, well, you know, my my goal is to build a business um, that's, that's ripe for exit in five years and I want to put $20 million in my bank account after taxes and after debt funds. You know, let's build a strategy to to secure that outcome. And then I said, okay, well, all you need to do is acquire one practice per year that's generating $100,000 in EBITDA over the next five years, you know, and you'll get there. Well, you and I both know that acquiring one practice per year that would be that small would probably never get them to that finish line. So we want to quantify the path and the outcome over five years based around sound financial principles and analytical data that says, hey, if we, if we execute on you know, buying or building three or four or five locations per year that look like the following parameters and volume of revenue and EBITDA, and we can create margin expansion, then yes, we can create that financial outcome that the client asks us to deliver. Well, that's a pretty specific growth strategy, and it's documented, and it's laid out, and it's one that we would have a higher degree of confidence in versus, hey, I just want to grow my business and add a couple of locations. Well, okay, you can do that, but that's not very clearly defined, and it leaves a lot to chance, candidly. So a lot of what we do around financial modeling and specifically the five-year growth pro forma for clients is critically important to helping them achieve that type of an outcome. So the second piece to strategy is really about growth strategy uh, and how we execute on that. And again, we do that for clients but we also do it here at polaris so DeWalker and i have as you would well imagine a five-year growth strategy for the business on where we want it to be i'm not going to go into all the details on that on today's episode but i might at some point in the future but suffice to say we do have um a an expected um uh, type of a growth strategy on where we want to be in terms of revenue Ah, uh, different verticals that we might be in, in terms of other healthcare services or health healthcare verticals, and then the different service offerings that would be complementary to all of that. And and our growth strategy, again, is not too dissimilar from many of yours, which is to say that we have an idea on where we want to be, we can see it with a degree of clarity, and we have a plan over the next three to five years to execute on that. And we know the blocking and tackling that needs to happen if we're going to fulfill that. So we're really clear and we're really intentional about it. And that's the second piece of growth strategy is is having some degree of of clarity around what you really want to achieve and what it's going to take to get there on a year-by-year, quarter-by-quarter basis. Um, and that's critically important to to making sure that um, you're able to to fulfill what the desired vision for the business is. If you haven't identified your target market and your service offering, and you're not confident around your execution, and you have no idea how you're going to go about getting there in the coming five years, then you know you're you're probably leaving a lot of ch- a lot to chance and we like to say you've heard me say before hope is not a strategy so it's okay if that's the business you're building as long as the boat stays afloat um, and and it, it offers you some degree of fulfillment on a personal basis i guess there's nothing truly wrong with that but i just approach things differently <laughs> so uh take that for what it's worth um and and hopefully that'll help you as it relates to some of your uh, strategic planning sessions you know you've also heard us talk about um, on a prior episode um, of the podcast, I can't—I I should know what episode number it is, but it's—it's it's in the early handful of episodes. You can go back and listen to it again. But the top three challenges that that face entrepreneurial dentists, um, and you, they are the following: which is that what we call the founder's dilemma. You know, when when the person or the people that started the business are working clinically and they're transitioning out of the chair, how do how do they replace? The income that they're making that's derived from clinical services to um, uh, you know um, backfilling that that income from a leadership service uh, and an administrative type of a role. So how do you literally work yourself out of the chair and not take an income hit? That's one of the challenges um, that you face. The second challenge is uh, one that we've talked about. Ad nauseam, and that is attracting, motivating, and retaining uh, associates into your business. And the third thing is not hitting what we call the debt funding wall from your primary lender um, or existing bank uh, in terms of being able to execute that growth strategy. So those three um, working yourself out of the chair and and maintaining your personal level of income, uh, attracting, motivating, and retaining associates and then having secured financing that uh, gives you a great degree of confidence that you won't hit the debt funding wall are three components that you really do need to address in your strategic planning session. If you are trying to build a growth strategy and execute it over the coming years and you don't have clarity around how you're going to attract and retain associates and you don't have clarity on who's going to fund it, then I would tell you that that the growth strategy, the pro forma you have for the next five years is is really light when it comes to where the rubber meets the road. Um, You have to solve for those with some degree of clarity and certainty. Uh, If you're going to commit to a growth process, of building out a business more than you know maybe one location per year if all you want to do is is buy or build one location per year that's quite all right nothing wrong with that uh again as long as it gives you the financial security and the personal fulfillment that you want there's that that's certainly okay many of our clients have a uh, have a larger growth strategy uh than one per year and if that's the case associates in funding are going to be of critical importance and you need to address that in your strategic plan on how you're going to go about it. So I, I think hopefully this has given you some degree of uh, clarity and also some things to think about in terms of those upcoming strategic planning sessions that you're going to do with your your partners or your leadership team or a combination of both. Uh, and if you, If you really haven't thought about uh, strategic planning in the context of uh, everything I've laid out today, then you might want to consider reaching out to us about how we go about assisting clients in in doing that and what our strategic planning uh, services are that we offer on a one-day session. Obviously, these are things we go through with our consulting clients, um, and we try to clarify for them a lot of the things I've talked about on the podcast. Um, And if you're interested in potentially learning more about our strategic consulting services, I'd be happy to fill you in on all of that, um, uh, obviously outside of the context of the podcast. But suffice to say, for those that are building group practices, um, you do want to have a quantifiable strategy in terms of what you're executing on and the way you're executing on it and who's responsible uh, on your leadership team to drive that execution in those different areas. If not, then it ends up being a lot of haphazard growth and and nothing that's really planned and coordinated. And that's either not going to end up at the finish line that you want from a value proposition and a potential exit, or even worse, it could create um, some complications some complications that would compromise the business uh, along the way, and and God forbid that were to happen. Um, but we have seen it happen in the past, where people have overreached on acquisitions or failed to to fulfill uh, margin expansion, and they ended up working twice as hard just to pay off the bank note and for a lot less personal fulfillment. I don't want to see that for anybody in the audience. So, things to think about as it relates to uh, defining and developing your strategy. Uh, And hopefully I've given some context around the way that DeWalker and I think about it in the way that we're building Polaris that might allow you to apply the same principles as it relates to building out your business successfully. Um, Once again, I know that that's uh, uh, a lot, but if you've got questions or comments and things you wanna send me, directly feel free to email me at Perrin at Polarishealthcarepartners.com be happy to, to take your questions and try to respond to them or potentially even answer them on an upcoming episode. Stick around we'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Well, I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. Uh, again, I know that many of you are gonna be going into strategic planning sessions um, as we round out the, the calendar year and we look into 2022, and we're trying to, to get out ahead of that and give you all some things to think about for those sessions that you'll be uh, having and hosting and ultimately hoping to make them more productive. By now, hopefully, you will have seen Um, a press release that we released uh, about a new addition to our team, yet another new addition to our team. We've been on a recruiting binge ourselves as of late. And the latest gentleman to join our team uh, is a guy named Mike Dombrowski. And Mike is our new brand manager here at Polaris. Uh, He comes to us as you would well imagine, with a fully developed marketing background, digital media, graphic design, um, brand awareness, um, SEO, all those types of fun things that I have no comprehension of, even though I'm technically responsible for it here at Polaris. Thankfully, Mike understands all of that, and he also spent three years working for one of the largest manufacturers of equipment consumables and technology in the entire dental space a small little company called dentsply serona maybe you've heard of them or potentially used one of their products probably so <laughs> um they are obviously headquartered here in charlotte mike spent three years uh with them learned a tremendous amount about the the products side of the industry and the manufacturing background Uh, And we are really, really fortunate to have him uh, on our team as our new brand manager. We're looking for great things to come out of Mike. And what you're going to see probably in the the coming years is further development of the brand, greater awareness, more educational opportunities to the marketplace, and and hopefully for us, a wider reach in terms of our uh, ideal customer avatars and the way to to access Polaris in the future. But we're really, really high on Mike, excited about having him part of, the, be part of the team and really wanna welcome him uh, to the Polaris team. And you'll obviously get a chance to meet him at some point in the not too distant future uh, on either upcoming podcasts or a trade show or something along those lines. So welcome to Mike Dombrowski, our new uh, brand manager here at Polaris. Before we wrap up the show, uh, I got a, uh, I've gotten a couple of questions um, uh, about part of my background, if you will, that I figured I would share um, you know, on a one-off here on, on the show. And uh, several of you know me um, and have known me for a, a number of years uh, know that I used to be something called a high-performance driving instructor for the Porsche Club of America and a couple of other different car clubs. Uh and uh some that have seen me on videos or um uh had Zoom calls with me or something like that, have seen various pictures of of cars and things uh literally in the background behind me, um or have known that I, I've been sort of a car aficionado for a, a while and Being a driving instructor um, is not like uh, your 16-year-old getting or 17-year-old getting his or her uh, learner's permit. That's not what I'm talking about. I used to have uh, a couple of cars that I would take out on the racetrack um, occasionally for for weekends where a car club might rent out uh, what they call a road course racetrack, which is one of those twisty-turny Formula One type of a circuit, not like your NASCAR ovals and things. Um, but suffice to say, learning how to, to drive a, a car, um, at a faster rate of speed and, and get it to corner and balance and threshold brake and all that kind of fun stuff is, uh, is scary. It's rewarding. Uh, it's exhausting. That's for sure. Uh, and it teaches you a greater appreciation for ultimately car control. And it was something that I did for probably about six to eight years before I got married and before my wife and I had our daughter um, about uh, seven years ago now. I, I no longer do it because uh, I have to be responsible. But when I was uh, single, it was something that was a passion play of mine. And I like to tell people that when, when anybody would ask about it, they'd say, well, that's a really kind of a crazy hobby, isn't it? And, and I'd say, yeah, it, it absolutely is. But all of us do what we do in life And work really really hard at it and and a lot of our jobs um, that we have and businesses that we own and uh, everything we do carries a high degree of stress and i think it's important for all of us to have a release from that i find that right now in in being a road cyclist but all of you have some type of an outlet Uh, and for me putting on a helmet with a hans device and a flame retardant nomex suit um, and, and driving a car with a roll cage, uh, you know, really fast around a racetrack was something that was a release for me. I never thought about work. I never thought about stresses in life. I'd really never thought about anything other than what was going on around me when I was in the car. Uh, and, and that's a true opportunity to, to create a, a departure. From the stresses and trials and tribulations of life and it was something that i found very fulfilling and rewarding to be able to teach people uh, how to how to do that in their own cars and whether it be porsche club or a number of other car clubs that i had my instructor certification with um the the people were always incredibly uh generous and and fun to be around and and you really, um, I, I'd like to think that I made a difference uh, in the lives of a lot of people in terms of their ability to to handle a car. And I know that a number of them progressed up the rank, through the ranks and some even became instructors themselves. So it was really just a, a neat kind of an endeavor and a total departure from life and something that I, I found a lot of uh, fulfillment in and, and a lot of fun doing, honestly. So um, that's a little bit of a unique hobby in my background and my past. Maybe it'll be part of my future again in, uh, at some point, um, but I, I don't think any time in uh, uh, an immediate future, but probably sometime way down the road because it's something I genuinely enjoy and look back on incredibly fondly. So just something different about me. And uh, uh, I would encourage you, if you have a, uh, a hobby or something like that, or um, to first pursue it to the utmost degree, to get yourself away from work and the stresses of life, and if you don't have something like that you probably do want to develop it for that uh little thing we all call balance that i think we're seeking and it's so hard to find these days so i hope you had uh a lot of fun on today's show i definitely did and and i appreciate you joining me and suffice to say uh like we've said in the past we walker and i really appreciate all the the compliments and the feedback and everything we get um, about the podcast we do work really hard at this and uh, I'm glad to know that the subject matter lands really well with you out there in the audience I hear about it on a lot of the calls I get um, uh, and, and I appreciate every, uh, every kind word on our behalf truly I do uh, if you've got questions obviously you can submit them to me directly at Perrin at Polaris And of course if you want to find out a little bit more about who we are and what we do Uh, you can check out our website at www.polarishealthcarepartners.com. Thanks so much for being a subscriber and a listener. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.